Hey there, I'm Edwina Kennedy, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of two, and this is the My Little Eater podcast. Each week, I'll be dishing out all the best info on feeding and nutrition for your baby and toddler, answering all of your what do I do when scenarios, and helping you gain complete confidence in not only feeding your child, but in parenting as well. Every episode is filled with actionable and proven feeding strategies delivered by a mama and a feeding expert who's been there and done that. I hold your hand and take you step-by-step through all stages of feeding while showing you how to implement what I teach you so that you can raise a happy and healthy little eater of your own. Let's do this. everybody. Merry Christmas and almost a happy new year. I can't believe that Christmas has already come and gone. I felt like it went by way too fast and it was amazing. We had a really good time with family even though we weren't able to have a lot of extended family over and a lot of friends over. What we ended up doing was just kind of chopping up like our groups of friends into into groups basically and had them over different nights. So I did a lot of entertaining. I cooked a lot multiple times throughout Christmas week and it was really fun. But I got to tell you, I am so tired. I'm so exhausted. The next day I sat in bed and I just couldn't get up. Like my muscles were aching and I still feel like I haven't fully recovered. I'm still a bit tired. So I don't know if you guys are feeling the same way as me, but I'm starting to climb out of it, starting to look forward to the new year, to 2021, hopefully a better year than 2020. Very excited and very optimistic about it. All right, so today I want to answer another request that came through on Instagram with regards to what you guys want to hear about. So I've had multiple people tell me that they want me to talk more about food substitutions that you can use when your child has an allergy or some kind of dietary restriction. So a lot of kids, you know, for whatever reason, can't eat eggs, can't eat milk, peanuts, wheat, nuts, soy, fish, any seafood, you know, those are the main things that we're going to kind of cover today. And I'm going to talk to you about how do you substitute those foods? Like what nutrients do those foods provide that are important for your child? And what foods should you sub instead in order to either make up for those nutrients or just even make the meal easier? Because I know when it comes to meal planning, it's really hard and stressful when you're trying to use the same recipes that you're used to having as a family. But then when you have an allergy, you have to work around. You're like, oh, I don't know how to work around this. I don't know what I can use to still make this recipe taste good. Do I have to like overhaul my whole menu? Like, what do I do? So this is what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to aim to go through each allergen separately and give you a quick outline of what those foods contribute to the diet and why we'd want to replace them to get the nutrients that they provide. And then again, just give you some suggestions for different ingredients that you can substitute into recipes. So I really think this is going to be a well-received podcast. So excited to dive in. So let's start with the probably most common one, and that is going to be a milk allergy or a milk intolerance. So when you think about what milk provides for your baby, I mean, really, it's not necessary for them. We don't introduce cow's milk at all before close to 12 months, maybe 11 months, but mostly 12 months of age and up. And that's just because breast milk and formula make up all of the calories that your baby needs and they provide all the nutrition that they need as well. But once your baby hits around one year of age and up, then they actually can have milk. They can process it in their bodies. They can handle, you know, the nutrients that it provides and they don't need 
breast milk or formula in as much quantity or at all, really. They can make up everything that they need from solid foods, plus maybe if you're including milk, a little bit of milk. And so what those nutrients are that milk provides is calcium. That is the big one. It's very well known for how much calcium it provides. Also vitamin D, fat as well, and protein. So those are like the four main things that I look at. And remembering that milk isn't 100% necessary even in toddlerhood, again, they can make up all those different nutrients like calcium, vitamin D, fat, and protein through other foods. Like they can consume other foods in different ways and make those up. But I will say that milk is just such a convenient way of getting it in, especially for toddlers who find milk to be easy to drink. Most toddlers like it and it's cheap and it is so nutrient dense. So that is usually why we rely on milk in a toddler's diet to be like a supplementary food to kind of fill in nutritional gaps. Now I do have a blog post that's called how to choose the best type of milk for your baby or toddler, which breaks down the nutrients that cow's milk provides. And then it compares it to other dairy alternatives that are out there on the market so that you can just make the best choice for your child in terms of what primary beverage you want them to drink outside of water. So check that out. I'm going to put the link in the show notes for you and that blog post is going to have a lot of information in there for you but in the meantime here are some things that you can substitute cow's milk for as a main beverage from one year and up so one is going to be goat's milk next is going to be soy milk rice milk oat milk almond milk hemp milk cashew milk and pea milk Those are the main options you'll find out there. And of them all, goat's milk, soy milk, and fortified pea milk are going to be the most nutritionally equivalent to cow's milk. Now, there's going to be reasons why maybe some parents don't want to offer even those or can't offer these milk options as a beverage. So you may want to lean on other types of milk, like maybe the almond milk or oat milk or rice milk, in order to fill some of those nutritional gaps. But in order to kind of meet all the nutritional requirements that cow's milk usually provides, those three are the ones that you will want to focus on. But again, the blog post that I'm linking in the show notes is going to have all that information in there for you in detail. So you can really, you know, go through, break it down, see what nutrients are missing if you decide to offer maybe a plant-based milk. And then you can determine if you want to use other foods to help bridge the gap or just give maybe a more nutritionally equivalent milk type like the goat's milk or soy milk or pea milk. Okay, so if your child is a yogurt eater or you are yogurt eaters at home and your child has a milk allergy or an intolerance, what you can do to replace standard yogurt in most recipes or just as a standalone snack or lunch item, whatever it is, is you can give them a coconut yogurt or a soy-based yogurt. So there are a lot more now out on the market. I find the coconut yogurt's actually really good. I don't, I was actually weirded out by it for a long time and I was like, I don't know if I want to try that, but I did try it the other day and it actually wasn't bad. I liked it. It's got lots of healthy fats in there. It doesn't have the same protein content. So again, you will have to, you know, maybe look at other foods that can provide some protein to make up for maybe protein that they'd be getting in just a standard yogurt snack but it's still very, very healthy, got lots of calories, lots of healthy fat. So that would be my choice there. If you're looking for a cheese replacement, I find that, again, there's a lot of dairy-free cheeses out there on the market. What I like the best, especially for babies, is the Daya Swiss cheese slices, just because there's a little bit less salt, a little bit you know, fewer fillers. I find a lot of them have a lot of gumming agents and fillers in them, and some people might feel better just avoiding them altogether. It's totally up to you. Again, dairy's not required, but if you find like, you know what, we eat a lot of cheese at home, we have a lot of casseroles, or I wanna be able to offer like, you know, some shredded cheese with something else as a snack, that's fine. 
there's a lot of options out there on the market for cheese. And like I said, I like the Dias Swiss cheese style slices. And if you're not going to be substituting like a regular milk or yogurt or cheese option for some other alternative like that, like the ones we just went through, then that's totally fine. You're just going to want to make sure that you make up for some lost protein by serving some more meat or tofu or beans. You can make up for lost fat by serving things like avocado, nut spreads, like a nut butter maybe, or um, maybe fatty fish, things like that that are going to give some high fat content. And then you can make up for calcium by offering some tofu, some canned salmon with some bones in it, cooked spinach, things like that. Now, I find calcium is hard to meet all the requirements through non-dairy foods, so you might want to look into a supplement. That's always an option. And then for vitamin D, no matter what anyway, we want all kids and actually adults to be on a vitamin D supplement. None of us really get enough. So that is totally fine. And if your child is not getting vitamin D through milk, no big deal. They can just have a supplement and they will be just fine. Okay, now for some other practical swaps and recipes that you can do if you are avoiding milk. So if you're cooking, a lot of us are, you know, using butter as a base to cook veggies or whatever in a pan. What you can do is use ghee or margarine. Now ghee is basically a clarified butter. I use it all the time. I love the flavor of it. And especially if you don't have a true, true allergy to cow's milk protein, maybe it's more of an intolerance or even some people who do have an allergy can still tolerate ghee. It's going to be dependent on your child and what your doctor recommends for them. But I find that that is a really good substitution for butter. I use it for like baked goods, recipes that involve butter in any capacity. It really has a great flavor. I, I personally love it. And I do prefer that over margarine just where it's a natural whole food product. But again, if margarine is what you would prefer to use at home, then that's totally fine. It's going to be safe for your child. Another thing that I like doing, I actually just went dairy-free recently due to my PCOS, my polycystic ovarian syndrome. I found that I have a lot fewer symptoms of PCOS when I remove dairy from my diet. So I know a few things. I've discovered the Enjoy Life Dairy-Free Chocolate Chips. I gotta tell you, I love my chocolate. I was really sad when I was like, that means I can't have any chocolate. That's crazy. But in place of regular chocolate chips, I found this Enjoy Life brand. And like I said, they have chocolate chips that are completely dairy-free. You can do like a semi-sweet or you can do a dark chocolate. And I use those in all my recipes. I even just snack on them when I feel like having a little bit of chocolate. They're really, really good. Tastes like real chocolate in my opinion. So that is what I would recommend as a substitute for chocolate chips. And if your baby is on formula and let's say they can't tolerate the whey and the lactose that's used typically in baby formulas, you can talk to your doctor about alternative options, but usually the suggestion is going to be to put them on an extensively hydrolyzed formula. So this is where the formula actually, like the proteins in the formula are broken down. So the things like casein, for example, which is a milk protein, is just broken down into its amino acids, which the body doesn't uh, react to in the same way because that protein isn't intact anymore. So that's going to be a really good solution for your baby. You can also put them on a soy-based formula if you want as well. But again, talk to your doctor, talk to your pediatrician to decide what's going to be the best option. But there are a lot of options out there for your child. So don't stress out. Okay, now let's move on to a wheat allergy or a wheat intolerance. So if you're going to be cutting this out of your family's diet, maybe because your child has an allergy or an intolerance, you may be able to just avoid wheat, but then still be able to have other greens in your diet and your meal plan. Or your child might have an intolerance to the gluten protein itself, which is found in wheat, but it's also found in some other greens as well. So 
It's going to depend on what it is in terms of whether you're going to be able to have some grains that have gluten in them or only grains that have no gluten in them. Or some people might even have an intolerance to all grains. It's very rare, but you never know. There's always an allergy or an intolerance to something that's really obscure that you think no one would have, but then you'll always find some people who do. So that's going to really depend on your family. But the main thing that's really missing when you omit wheat from your diet is going to be fiber and B vitamins. And Really, babies themselves, they do not need a whole lot of fiber. It actually takes up a lot of space in their belly, and we want them to be kind of having enough room to consume a lot of different foods um, for practice and things like that, and calories, of course. And also, a lot of fiber can be hard on their digestive system, so I don't usually worry about fiber too much for a baby. But once they hit toddlerhood, fiber becomes really, really important, especially for preventing constipation and of course for keeping them full between meals and snacks. So we definitely want to replace any lost fiber that would typically be had through wheat products or grain products in general. B vitamins, especially B6, vitamin B6, that's going to be found in a lot of grain products. So again, maybe something that you want to look at substituting and I'm going to kind of go into the different options for grains and let you know whether or not, you know, you can kind of make it up through those options or not. So let's just start with the simplest of things. Most people are using toast as like a typical staple food for babies and for toddlers alike. So wheat is obviously the main ingredient in all toasts and all breads, I should say, most of the ones anyway that we're purchasing. So what you can do is go for a rice cake or a rice cracker instead of toast. You can use it in the exact same way, at least if you're not making a sandwich anyway. But if you wanted to spread a topping onto, let's say, a rice cracker, you can totally do that. You can offer that to your baby. I would say like maybe give them a few weeks to get used to starting solids if they're young. But maybe once they've hit like months, seven, seven and a half, eight months, something like that, they've gotten some practice they're handling some textures well you can offer them a rice cake a thin rice cake is my suggestion to reduce choking and that will work just fine or again if you wanted to do a rice rusk you can offer that as early as six months of age and and allow them to kind of to gnaw on that and it'll melt in their mouth so that is a really safe option and probably the best and only thing that you can substitute for toast or for bread when it comes to using wheat in recipes like baked goods you can easily substitute it out for other flours like rice flour or amaranth or arrowroot barley buckwheat corn millet oat quinoa rice tapioca sorghum and the list goes on there are a lot of different options to for other grains I should say that can easily be put into recipes like that now if your child's allergic or intolerant to all grains then what you can do is substitute wheat flour for almond flour or coconut flour or potato flour so the other grains I will say like buckwheat and barley and you know quinoa a lot of them are gluten-free they will still contain B vitamins so you're not losing that you're not losing fiber so really there's nothing extra you have to do by subbing those in but if they are having almond flour, coconut flour, or potato flour, those don't provide all the B vitamins in the same way that grains do. So just be mindful of that. But they do contain all of the fiber, which is really great. So I would say if it's like a really long-term thing, 
you know, especially if it's like an intolerance or an allergy, they're not growing out of. You're definitely not putting any greens in your child's diet no matter what for a long, long time. I would look into maybe a multivitamin that can provide some of those B vitamins for your child, but always, always, always talk to your doctor about it because every single case is going to be different. And you never know, you may be able to make it up through diet, but it's harder to do that, especially with the types of foods that toddlers eat. All right, when it comes to substituting wheat pastas, which many of us, that's like our staple is a wheat pasta at home, you can find lots of different pasta options now that are made from different grains. So things like quinoa or rice pasta are really popular, and those are going to be good for, you know, just any gluten-free non-wheat option. But again, if you're looking for a completely grain-free pasta, my favorite is those pulse-based pastas. So the ones that are made of lentils, or chickpea flour or pea flour, I love them. I love them. I I eat them as much as I can at home and I actually suggest them as regular foods for babies and toddlers because not only are you replacing the fiber that a wheat pasta or at least 100% whole wheat pasta would offer, but you also get lots of protein and you get lots of iron, which is so, so important for Babies and toddlers, especially the iron, when you're meal planning for them, that's a big focus. And if you listen to last week's podcast episode on easy hacks for meal planning for your baby, you know that I talk about iron as being something you want in every single meal at least twice a day for your baby. And still, I think continuing it on for your toddler is such a good habit. So that is what I recommend, those pulse-based pastas. If you are used to using wheat in recipes like casseroles or maybe as a breading for fried chicken or like an eggplant parmesan or in a meatloaf, like if you want to mix in breadcrumbs, all you need to do is you can easily substitute this out. I use panko crumbs for anything like that. I find they're actually, again, I like the taste better personally now, but they're also lower in sodium, especially for babies where you're watching salt content. They're going to be lower in sodium than a traditional breadcrumb would be or like a cracker that is crumbled up and used as a crumb. You can also use shredded Parmesan in place of any of them, or you can use some kind of like a cornmeal. I find that works well and gives a you know similar texture that, of course, is wheat-free. If you're typically using like flour, let's say, to bulk up a sauce, create a roux or make a gravy, then you can easily substitute that out with cornstarch or a rice flour. So I also have actually seen a few times people use pureed tofu as a thickener, even in like, let me think, like yeah, for sauces, just kind of as a base, that works well as well. So there's a few options. You're definitely not left without choices if you're omitting wheat from the diet. So don't be stressed out about that. Okay, now let's move on to another one of the most popular allergies out there, especially for kids, and that's going to be a peanut or a nut allergy. So peanuts and other nuts like almonds, walnuts, pecans, you name it, they're all wonderful sources of healthy fats. That's going to be like the primary nutrient that your toddler or your baby gets from from foods like this, especially we're usually offering it in the form of a nut butter. That's going to be the safest way for your baby and toddler to consume them. And we really do want to fill your baby and toddler's diet with lots of healthy fats for calories and proper growth and development. Now, if your child's allergic to a specific type of nut, you might be able to get away with offering food that contains another type of nut, depending on the type of allergy your child has. So for example, maybe they're allergic to cashews, but they can still have almonds or pecans. But other kids might have to avoid nuts 
spots altogether, especially if, you know, the potential for cross-contamination is high and it's an issue for them and they absolutely cannot have any traces of nuts. So you might have to avoid nuts altogether. So what I think is, I mean, I still think it's kind of easy to do if you look at it in the grand scheme of substitutions. If you're able to have one type of nut and not another type of nut, so you can still have nuts though in general, what you can do is just sub something like, let's say, peanut butter with almond butter or cashew butter. Or of course, you know, if they're old enough and you start giving them like halved or whole peanuts or almonds or whatever, you can just obviously sub one type for another. Generally speaking, I mean, the flavors are pretty much the same, especially if they're being used in recipes. You don't really notice a huge, huge difference. But if your child can't have any nuts whatsoever, you're still okay. A great substitution for them is going to be soy butter. So I know in Canada, I think it's called wow butter. That's what it is. So I use that a lot of times when I'm sending like a a quote-unquote peanut butter and jam sandwich to school with my kids. It's not really peanut butter because we can't have nuts at school. So I'll put wow butter, which is just soy butter, in the sandwich and they have come to like that. So there's really no issue there. But also you can use pumpkin seed butter or sunflower seed butter. And I have not tried this yet, but there's also apple butter. I saw that at the grocery store the other day and I was like, ooh, that looks pretty good. I don't know how similar it tastes to a typical peanut butter or any other nut butter. But, you know, if you've tried it, I think let us know if you thought it was good. Definitely the pumpkin seed butter and the sunflower seed butter are close. And again, maybe there's a little bit of a difference in taste, but it's really not a big deal. You can still use them in recipes the exact same ratio in the exact same ways. And of course, they're all providing that really good healthy fat that is found in typical peanut butter, let's say. So you're not losing any nutrition there. If you are just looking for a great fat substitute, so let's say you cut out all the nuts, right, from your diet, from your meal plan at home. If you're just looking for a substitute for fat to get some extra fat in, especially one that's creamy, then you can just mash or blend some avocado. I find that works really great. Again, you can use that in smoothies or you can put it on top of toast as an alternative to a nut butter. All right, now let's move on to egg allergies. So... The primary nutrients that eggs are going to give for your child are going to be protein, fat, especially in the yolk. You're going to get lots of healthy fat in there. And then iron, again, especially from the yolk. So I know that eggs are used so commonly in breakfast recipes. I've gotten tons of messages from parents being like, I don't know what to give my kid for breakfast because we're basically eating cereal. I don't know what else I can give them when half of the recipes I look up have eggs in them. And I totally get the frustration. So I know that my kind of go-to for a non-egg breakfast, but that's still going to give me some protein, fat, iron, is a tofu scramble. Not sure if you've ever had it before, but definitely give it a shot. Use like a medium to a soft uh, tofu and literally you're kind of just scrambling it up, kind of like chopping it up with your spatula as you cook it in a pan. You can add some mix-ins. There are lots of recipes for this. I'm actually putting a new recipe for a tofu scramble inside of my BB Lead Feeding online course. But that is a really good kind of substitute for a typical scrambled egg. Again, gives you all the same nutrients. Another one that I have inside of my baby course is a two-ingredient or three-ingredient pancake recipe. So I have a recipe in there that I love, I use all the time, that is oats, banana, and eggs. But you can easily take the egg out and you can just do oats and banana and it still works really well. Again, you can add any flavorings like 
you can put berries in there or you can add like cinnamon or whatever it is but it turns out really delicious and it's it's sweet like just the natural sweetness from the banana that works really well as like a as a alternative to a typical pancake recipe which would have egg in it obviously and if you usually use eggs in recipes like baked goods and muffins things like that what you can do is actually substitute applesauce that works really well if you just do like one fourth cup of applesauce for one egg in a baking recipe you're pretty much getting the same recipe so that is definitely substitution that's easy to make banana is also a really good substitute for eggs in a lot of recipes so instead of one egg you can just put half of a mashed ripened banana and that will work well of course you're getting the banana flavor but for a lot of muffins and cakes and you know pancakes again things like that you're actually you know most people don't mind it the flavor works really well so that's an option if applesauce is not going to work for you you can also do a ground flaxseed like a tablespoon of ground flaxseed mixed with three tablespoons of warm water that is generally equivalent to one egg it's binding so it's going to like bind all the ingredients together even if you you know are making a meatball or a meatloaf and usually people put an egg to kind of collect the meat and bind it all together the flaxseed mixture will work great in that circumstance. So those are my suggestions for eggs in recipes. But again, if you know you usually rely on eggs for protein, now all of a sudden you have to cut it out. Remember, you can get protein through meat, you can get protein through fish, lentils, beans, chickpeas, through tofu. You know, even some grains will have protein in them. And I actually have a podcast episode on this too about how much protein does my toddler need and in there you actually see the examples I give there's protein in a lot of food and for kids really you don't have to worry about the protein that they're getting in through foods outside of meat outside of eggs even it's super easy for them to meet those requirements so I wouldn't worry so much about protein fat you can again like I said before have your nut butters you can have your fish you can have avocado you can have shredded coconut not like there's a whole bunch of sources of fat easily obtained through other foods so you know don't stress over it just be conscious of the fact that you want to include a source of fat at a few meals a day and then iron so although eggs yes they provide iron I have a blog post that I'll also link in here that has a lot of other food sources of iron plant-based ones and animal-based iron sources so check that out you'll be able to easily kind of rejig things or just kind of plan your menu to get some you know extra iron extra protein extra fat in if you're used to having eggs and now you're just taking them out All right, let's move on to fish, fish and seafood. That's another allergy that's fairly common for some families. So the nutrients that fish would provide is healthy fats. And specifically, I'm going to talk about DHA. This is a type of omega-3 fat that I love talking about because it's so important for brain growth for babies and for kids up to three years of age. Their brains are still developing. They're growing rapidly. And DHA is like a main building block for brain cells. And so we don't actually talk about this enough as much as it deserves to be talked about. But it's recommended as a result because DHA is so important for brain growth that kids have a fatty fish twice per week or at least two servings per week, I should say. And a lot of people don't do that anyway, but I, I'm like a stickler. I think it's so important. And we also know that fish also provides protein. So those are kind of the things that seafood and fish provide and we want to include. So if you are removing it from your diet, I will say that there's no real 
replacement for DHA besides supplements. So if you're taking fish out, I mean, the amount of DHA it contains is high. You can find some DHA fortified eggs, for example, which you can give easily to your baby or to your toddler, but they need to consume a few eggs every single day consistently. I would not rely on that as like, them getting all the DHA they need. So really a supplement's the best way to go. You can find drops for for kids. And I actually have some recommendations for my favorite supplements in my Amazon shop. I have a Canadian store and American store. So I will link both of those for you in the show notes. You can peruse through and just kind of find the supplement that works for you. But definitely, I always will suggest a DHA supplement for kids who are not eating seafood. In terms of protein, so let's say you take out seafood, you take out fish, you need some extra protein, super easy to get. Again, if they're eating meat, great, that can be the source of protein. Like I said, beans, lentils, or chickpeas, the tofu, grains, there are just, there's a lot of easy ways to get protein. So I would not be concerned, overly concerned about that one. Okay, soy. So that would be the next allergen. And actually the last one we're going to cover for today's podcast episode if your child is allergic to soy, um, I wouldn't say there's a lot of like direct substitutions you can make unless you're typically using a soy sauce in a recipe, which I will say is high in sodium. So generally speaking for definitely babies and even young toddlers, it's not like I'm saying omit it completely, but just being careful around how much you use or how frequently you use it because we don't want them getting a lot of salt. But if you're using it, a really good substitute is coconut aminos. That is a plant-based soy substitute. It tastes really good. Like it tastes like soy sauce, but it's actually less salty. I use that again as my go-to now in all of my meals. I do find it's a little harder to find. I didn't always find it in my grocery store. So I would go to like a local health food store. I've also found it online, well.ca, and I've also found it on Amazon. So you can check a few different places for that. But coconut aminos is what is what it's called. And literally one for one, very easy. Use it in recipes, seasonings, marinades, whatever. Tastes like soy. If you are used to giving your kids, like maybe you're a vegetarian family, especially I find they're really reliant on things like tofu or edamame or tempeh or things like that in their diet. I mean, it may be a bit harder to make up for the protein that your child would typically get through foods like that if there is an allergy. So I would suggest like if meat is totally off of the table in your child's diet or in your family's diet, seafood's totally off the table and you're relying on only plant-based sources of protein, I would highly suggest working with a dietitian to really plan out your meals and find things that are going to provide enough protein considering those foods are out and then soy would be an allergen let's say for your family. So I think that is the best route. It would be too hard for me to, you know, make sure that through a couple suggestions of foods that you're going to be getting enough protein. So that's what I suggest there. But overall, I mean, those are all the main allergens. I hope you see that Of course, it's going to be a shift. It's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for a lot of families to try and work around these allergies. But thank God there are so many things out on the market now because it's so popular now. It's so, I shouldn't say popular, but it's so common that families have restrictions like this. And so you can usually find some products out there that is actually going to make for a really easy substitute and make your life a whole lot easier. And you won't have your child missing out on some of those key flavors that some of those foods provides. So 
I hope that you found this episode helpful. If you guys actually have allergies in your families and you have other suggestions for foods that you have used that you think would be great to share with other families, please let us know. If you want to just send me an email, info at mylittleeater.com. I'd love to share that online, maybe on Instagram with some other families or and I would say leave me a review. I read every single review that comes through. So really those reviews actually help to boost the status of the podcast and put it out there in front of a whole bunch of other parents out there in the world who need help, who want some support, who want some dietitian tips in their ear. So I would love and be so grateful if you would leave me a review, leave me a rating, and yeah, send me any tips that you guys do have that I may have not included in this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you all have a wonderful New Year's Eve and I will talk to you in 2021. Bye.